Here's what's coming up on this week's show. And all you need is somebody in your level twos to be resharing it, and suddenly it'll go boom. <laughs> the beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Before we go any further, if this is your first time listening to this podcast and you're thinking, what's this all about? I'll tell you. It's a podcast that helps small businesses grow by bringing on a whole bunch of experts who know a thing or two about helping small businesses grow. Now, whether this is your first time or it's not, if you could do two things for us, that'll be fab. Hit follow on the podcast platform you're using right now and also leave us a review too because that helps us to big us up in podcast land. Now, in our last episode, Claire missed you terribly. Uh, I had uh, had to go solo um, to talk about Instagram with a whole bunch of new updates that have happened to Instagram over the last three or four months it seems to be flying with new updates at the moment Um, and it thought it might be quite good to revisit LinkedIn too because I know a lot of businesses like using LinkedIn and a lot of users uh, LinkedIn users don't really know what they're doing so I thought it was a good place to sort of good opportunity to go back and have another look at that I think definitely well well, first of all actually just before I say what I was about to say well done I thought you were brilliant flying solo oh thanks and uh, yes nice to be missed but I'm back now to annoy you so (laughs) it was weird I'm not going to lie Like you did a top job. Um, but yeah, it makes sense if people are opening their minds out to how their social media platforms are working for them. And we're in that headspace, then why not keep on keep on going with another really popular social media platform like LinkedIn? Exactly. So the wax is back. Gareth Wax. The wax is back. <laughs> Gareth rejoins us, uh, who's a, a bit of a LinkedIn expert and can give us all the updates and all the things that we should be doing and shouldn't be doing and let's find out more this is the big little business show gareth let's go for the big headline first what has changed in linkedin over the last um five six months it's not so much how it's changed it's about the increasing cynicism of the british and european peoples if i'm going to be dreadfully honest people are still trying to sell too hard, trying to close too quick. Only this morning I received a message to someone I connected to because I thought his networking looked interesting. And immediately we connected. It was within five minutes I got a message saying, would you like to see my new piece of software that does X, Y, and Z? And I was just thinking to myself, it doesn't work this way anymore. You need to be able to impress upon people over time. And it takes time. There's no shortcuts. There's no magic bullet. You need to impress upon them that you have integrity, capability, and there are people that are willing to stand behind you to say that you will do what you say you can do. This, this doesn't happen on Instagram as much. doesn't happen on Facebook as much, uh, even though, yes, it does happen. But it's it amazes me, and I'm with you on this, Gareth, it amazes me how much it still happens on LinkedIn when you consider that LinkedIn and Facebook are very similar in lots of ways. You think that perhaps people might get that perhaps they need to behave in a similar way on the platform too. I'm so with you. You'd have thought they would have gotten on by now. You'd have thought they'd have got the message, but no, they still do it. And the reason why I think they do it is I perceive it that LinkedIn is like, an enormous bar full of people. And if they go around tapping on women's shoulders enough times asking for a date, that one of them will will go out with them. And I think that's, they're working by the numbers. My mission at the moment is to try and get people to cease looking at, and this is 
anybody listening, please just sit down, steady yourself, holding something firm. Cease trying to sell things on LinkedIn and start trying to create social proofing. And briefly, what I mean by that is that when they check you out, uh, not to, only does your profile say that this person does a certain thing and there are people that will stand behind them, but the pitter-patter of posts that you create over time reassure and create this feeling that this person represents integrity. They, they are who they say they are, and they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Because I always want to put my hard-earned cash in the hands of somebody who is a safe pair of hands and will be likely to deliver. We want to talk about a bit of a profile audit, but before we go on to that, um, Gareth, are there any things that LinkedIn has introduced recently uh, to sort of keep up with the competitors? Because I know Instagram has made some big changes. We mentioned that on the last episode. Uh, Facebook have started to integrate some new changes as well with you know, with Reels, for instance, uh, which they're pushing in the same way that Instagram does. So has LinkedIn responded or has LinkedIn started to shift in a different direction over the last six months or so? No, no, I think, look, the stories were always the, the equivalent of the Reels. I think that still rolls on. Uh, the carousel uh, uh, posts are were the big thing. Uh, now there's a big push towards using newsletters, which is interesting because newsletters really latch on to the company page, and and company pages was were seeing seen to be a diminishing thing uh, until very recently. So the fact that they've now found a new lease of life with this newsletter thing. But I say a, a word of warning to all the you people, you pundits wanting to jump on the newsletter bandwagon. Remember, it's a bit like having a website with the section saying, this is what we're up to. And you go and check it and you find it hasn't been updated since the late 1990s. You must make sure that if you're starting a newsletter, you start as you mean to go on. Yeah, I was going to come back to that one, actually, uh, a little bit later, Gareth, about newsletters, because I've noticed more of those have been popping up on my profile. Um, Should we put a pin in it, Claire? Literally, about to say that. Um, <laughs> but just going back to our profiles, which you mentioned before, yes. what's the most important pieces of information, just to clarify, to list on your profile so people see enough on there that they want to explore um, and find out more about you? What would be maybe the top top three things, if you like, that you should have listed on there? I will give you those top three things. But first, I'll make a very important point. Most searches these days, that's more than 50%, are done on a mobile phone on LinkedIn. And on the mobile phone rendition, when you find someone, all you see when they pop up is their banner, that's the graphic at the back, your picture, your first name, your last name, and the first few words of your headline. Given that we live, as I've mentioned before, in the Tinderverse, and that we've only got a couple of seconds to grab people's attention for the right reasons. So they want to click down. And because humans are necessarily work on the least effort principles, what's the least amount of effort, effort I can use to find the most amount of information? When the button comes up, which obscures most of your headline, you only see the first five words or so, and then the button comes up saying, click here to read more. Most people won't click on it unless what you've said thus far has grabbed their attention. So the first thing, banner, place a mission statement through it. Let's not leave breadcrumbs. Let's not leave people joining a dot to dot to try and work out what it is you're about. Tell them what you can do to help them in the banner. Now, 
The problem with the banner, of course, is it's well, the wonderful thing about the banner is brashing in your face. But the problem with it is it's unsearchable. So I say take elements out of that mission statement, personalize it and expand upon it in the first part of the headline, bearing in mind you've only got five or six words before it would be obscured by that button. So that first five or six words have got to grab the attention and say what you're going to do to help them, perhaps expand a bit more. But then I say hide in plain sight on the uh, headline, on the end of it, past the first part which describes what you're going to do to help them, key phrases that uh, you are effectively aiding and abetting SEO by doing this. So uh, if anybody wants to check out my profile, that's a good case in point, Gareth Wax, uh, just look me up, W-A-X, you'll find that on my headline, I've got a, a statement about what we do, and then afterwards, I've got key phrases, and I've chosen to separate them with vertical lines. I think other characters work just as well, but uh, vertical lines seems to be the prettiest. So that's So those are three things. First thing, your mission statement through the middle of the banner, uh, second thing, to make sure that your your headline expands upon it, but your first few words are, are critical because that's what's seen before the button. And the third thing is to put on the rest of the headline key phrases to enable you to be found faster. The virtual lines you're referring to, is that literally so it looks more visually appealing and it's easier to scroll up if you're using a phone? Is that why? The vertical lines, yeah, they're like a sort of, like an I, like a capital I, but they're not. Shift backslash, shift backslash. That's where you, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Oh, okay. You just separates one piece of information from the next, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it acts as a search term delimiter. And I believe other characters work just as well. Oh, write that down, search term delimiter. Wow. That's the one right there. Any other characters will do. I think you could even use exclamation marks or, or stars, emojis if you must. But the but um, I find that this gives the cleanest version. And remember, you've got to realise this is going to translate onto that tiny little viewing area on your mobile phone. And because of the TikTok universe we find ourselves in, everybody holds their phones vertically, which means the amount of space you've got to put all this information in is, is even more indistinct so that's why i found that cleanest but you know other other what they say other characters can apply um but i find that the cleanest one no that's a good point good point so what about um business pages then gareth um are they still relevant should we still have one and how do we set one up so it works best for us okay well let's start in reverse order of course um because that's typically how i like to start how do you make them relevant to you it is a static page at best. Yeah, you can alter it from time to time, but it's it really is not a thing that changes all the time. But if you've got a number of members of your company, it does tie them all together in one. And the, the uh, newsletter facility, which isn't new, but it's the one that's been promoted quite a lot recently, uh, works out of the uh, the company page particularly well. So, so um, and I'm not going to explain in detail how to do that now. There are far better guides available online uh, discussing that sort of thing. Who um, has their phone on? Uh, that was mine. That was my wife saying, do I want a sandwich? That's relevant and important, isn't it? It's good to yeah, have notifications on for sandwich emergencies. Sandwich notification is most important. I'm putting on do not disturb. I do apologise. So what I was saying is that the company pages are, are, are sort of now had a, a renaissance. That I wouldn't say they are the thing. You, for most businesses that are one-man band or one- or two-person band, um, it's not that relevant to. But if you are multi-people in your, in your organization, it's a great way of showing that they're all members of the same tribe. 
So uh, to, get, to get your company page, literally type into Google, how do I claim my company page on LinkedIn? And it will tell you in extreme detail. What about, um, excuse me, I'm just eating a chocolate. Excuse me a minute. Oh, for goodness sakes. What's going on? Everyone's having lunch. <laughs> what about what about groups? Now, I know last time we were on talking about LinkedIn, you kind of said groups, you were a bit meh about groups. No, they, they remain they remain kicked into the long grass for the moment. Um, okay, all right. Unless somebody finds a way of, of rejuvenating them, the best groups are the, the groups on Facebook, which are associated with, with businesses and people on, on LinkedIn, bizarre. Just very briefly explain, for those who missed the last episode, just briefly explain why groups on LinkedIn are a bit meh. <sighs> They're mostly under-attended uh, is the biggest problem. Also, uh, the groups tend to be so vast. Hashtag I mean, group uh, sales professionals, for instance. Close on, I think, two or three million people are members of that. It, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, there's not enough discrimination. Uh, not enough notices taken of people who post in there. So yes, uh, as I said, it, it uh, for the moment there are usually equivalent groups on Facebook, and uh, the grouping on Facebook is much better. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, so in terms of um, while we're on that subject, with uh, welcoming you know, a group of people to to your LinkedIn door, um, what's your thoughts on? I don't know where that came from. Um, what's your thought on events? Events on LinkedIn are superb. Now, one of the things I have noticed with events, though, Gareth, if you don't mind me saying, is when you create an event, you may have some people that click. I think they scroll through really quickly, and then they click that they're coming, and then sometimes then when you go back to them, they're not sure. They don't recall it. I mean, it opens up a great discussion to talk about what you want to talk about anyway. So it's not a massive issue. But yeah, sorry, over to you. What are your thoughts on? Utilizing those. Yeah, uh, look, I think people do this on 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 the uh, other ticketing and services anyway, uh, just as much. Uh, it, it's totally annoying. Totally, mostly applies to free events. My recommendation is, where possible, do not make your event free. People often will click on these things without necessarily thinking it through. Uh, net effect being that you've got. 200 people booked to turn up for a meeting and of which 40 people actually turn up. I tried an experiment and I, I ended up charging four pounds a head for people to turn up. And guess what? The numbers of people that clicked on were only 30, but all 30 turned up. <laughs> right. Okay. That's a good message. Yeah, I think you're right. If you put value to something, people are more likely to consider a bit more deeply about whether they want to spend some time with you or not it's easy to just say oh it's free okay i think the the rule of thumb is things that have no cost also potentially have no value which means that if there's a new episode of uh, stranger things or or whatever it is that's on the, on the box you'll go and watch that rather than uh, attend i get invited all the time to uh things like linkedin the best way to sell linkedin how to close new business now and you turn up and it, they're just regurgitating the same old tripe that you've heard before and it was still wrong in the first place <laughs> so uh, one thing that i've found uh, a little bit frustrating with linkedin and i hope you can point me in the right direction is insights how do you find out how many people have seen your posts how many people uh, are interacting who have followed you and all that juicy information which is readily available on uh, other platforms how do you get to that on linkedin you need to pay for it oh okay uh i, I i'm on premium navigator which is about 50 something pounds a month uh but the insights you get are amazing 
I do think there are methods of getting it without paying, but I think they are third-party tools. I think it's SSI. I think it's an SSI score, Social Selling Index score. Oh, there's that as well, isn't there? I've heard about this. Tell me about this. That's a loose uh, directive, really. It doesn't go into detail, though, does it? No, no. If you want to find what... I mean, the true information, what you really want to know, Paul, is... And Claire, sorry, forgive me, um, is you want to know who's hit you up. Yeah. And have they hit you up in, in ideally, have they hit you up just after you've done a campaign? Yeah. And are yeah. they and are they responding in terms of that? And one of the best tools for doing this, would you, would you believe, is polling, because polling is not anonymous. So if people respond to a poll and, you, and you've and you've made sure you've absolutely sorted that poll out, there's going to get a reaction because it's on on the pulse. But at the same time, that the the questions aren't footling or or silly then you'll really identify whole groups of people who believe a certain way or don't believe a certain way. The problem with polling is, Gareth, is too many people are doing it and therefore my feed is completely full of polls and I just think, oh, I'm not going to bother with those. It's just like too many questions. Well, I agree. I agree. But if someone asked you uh, which which of these three types of video is the most effective for business, I bet you'd feel duty-bound to respond. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if the poll is directed at the niche uh, area of the of the audience and you ask a question that they oh, they feel hot under the collar about, and maybe that's not not one quite a, a good enough example, but if, they, if I could find something that really grinds your gears... So the crafting of the poll in the first place is what's, what's key here. Yeah, I, I get that. I get your point. And so what about in terms of um, how often we should be putting our content out there? Um, is there a, a set algorithm maybe that picks up the number of times, you know, depending on the number of times we post, we'll have a, a wider reach? Or is there, how, how many times would you suggest we should post on each day? I don't think, of it, I, don't like to, I don't like to think of it as an algorithm. It, it's, a, it's a loose set of software um, systems out there that test at various points what your reactions to things have been and what sort of information you're putting out there. So the golden rule at the moment, as far as I know, is the first two hours after you've put a post are the critical time. Right. And during that time, it looks to see, or you are viewed to see how many people are reacting to that post. Um, and, and just through trial and error, somewhere between 7 and 15 appears to be the sweet spot. Okay. So if you can get seven people to respond, and I personally believe, although I haven't, I haven't had concrete evidence, if the people are responding are not all first level to you, so it's a mixture of first, second, and third level. Yeah. So in other words, real people actually responding and then actually commenting and then you responding to those comments all within the first two hours, that seems to get a little bit of an extra push from LinkedIn to promote yourself. Is there a good way to kind of uh, help yourself along with that? I, I know a lot of people post stuff and then tag a million people in that post oh, in order God. to, I know that's annoying, isn't it? Uh, but in order to boost their engagement, uh, that perhaps that's not the best way, but are there other ways to kind of hold your hand up and get more attention? You can do tricks. There are pods out there. Yeah, well, no, I'm not looking for, well, I don't think we're looking for tricks. We're kind of, because I know tricks don't work, but they just work 
temporarily, but perhaps some techniques that people can employ okay. to make sure that their uh, their posts get the most traction. You know, some uh, posting three times a week, five times a week, seven times a week is one thing, but if only two people see all of those posts, then you might as well just sort of not bother. So, how do you make those posts more effective? One of the types of posts that I find starts building an audience for you. Uh, and you've probably seen these type of posts 100 times before, but the, the way I, I purvey them is slightly different. It top tips posts. But instead of doing all the tips in one post, spread them out over a period of, say, three or four weeks, say two a week, on a Tuesday and a Thursday, and announce them first. So what you're doing all that time is, you, and you're always going to put them out at the same time, on the, on the same days, and you, you announce them at the beginning saying, I'm very proud, I've got this bunch of tips together, really want to help people. And I perceive that this is what's going to provide them what they need. So you're putting that out there. All right. And on each one, you must make sure you have a call to action. And ideally, no more than four hashtags. Three is ideal. Um, and on each one of them. And each one, so it says, I hope you enjoyed this one. Look out for the next one. It's coming up on Thursday and so on. So you're trying to build that audience. You're trying to attract your tribe. If you've got seven clients who are happy with you, try and discuss with them the possibility that you're going to be putting these out, but in order to build your own engagement, would they mind commenting and liking it? They're your own clients anyway, so they, I would have thought they would, they would enjoy your content, so there should be no difficulty in asking them. If you can get 15 of them, even better. But get them to help you promote yourself. Now, all this extra activity hopefully it's going to constantly be pushing that threshold so that your posts will be, I wouldn't say artificially, but extra boosted by, by LinkedIn. You do this a few times, say twice a week for four weeks or something. By the fourth week, you should be constantly getting a little push at the, at the end of each one. And all you need is somebody in your level twos to be resharing it. And suddenly it'll go boom. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, just got a car that needs jump-starting, doesn't it? You can, can you give us a push, please? Well, why not? I mean, these people are supposed to be working with you. I'm talking about clients that are willing to stand up and say, these guys are good. Why shouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just write, yeah, here's my honest commentary on that? But the point is, you must react to that comment. So once the comments come up, you need to, to write, and more than just one or two words, it's got to, you've got to thank them and explain why why you think what they've said is relevant. And in good time as well, so not leaving too big a gap. Absolutely, yeah. within that first two hours. That's the okay. witching hours. So you mentioned um, about the articles earlier, uh, the LinkedIn articles. I mean, I don't know about you, Paul, but I know I've seen uh, more of these actually um, come up in my newsfeed. So... Um, do you think that this is a really useful tool um, to use, Gareth? Um, and, you know, in particular, maybe for attracting your own, you know, your target market. And, but is there also maybe a certain way we should be doing that, like a capped amount of words or something like that? Oh, OK, yes, yes. Articles are great. Uh, been totally underused until, I would say, last few months. I've been on a mission to try and get people to use articles more because of a couple of items about articles that most most people just don't seem to realise. So most people perceive articles as... Less funky, but much longer form version of posts, which I suppose in a, in a way they are. But what they are is something quite interesting. So a, a post will appear on your timeline 
and after a while will disappear and you won't be able to address it directly your its own unique resource locator of the url will no longer be applying however the article is a unique named uh document which you can refer to again and again so imagine if you've got a long overarching document sitting there as your article talking about i don't know my favorite is i say to people create your origin story what how you got to where you got to now make it full of pits and troughs and and success and failure and like a phoenix rising from the ashes all that stuff proper simon cowlesque and then what you can do is you can take excerpts from that four line excerpts from that and after a few weeks after you've put that initial article out you can start putting a a short post with a four line excerpt in it and then saying would you like to read the rest of this article it's on this link and because remember linkedin don't really like you jumping outside of their outside or, or directing people away from their their site because you're directing people back into the site it possibly promoted so therefore what you end up with is a lot of small posts over the entire year pointing people back to this same document once again you're building your tribe. That's good. I, I like that. I guess you could do that with video as well, couldn't you? If you had a longer form video. Absolutely. Oh, I've got a, a, one thing I'm sure, Paul, you bang on about, uh, which is always make sure that your video has subtitles. 85% of people are not watching, are watching without sound. So your video needs to make as much sense without sound as with it. The subtitles, because you're holding it in, in a separate uh, STL file, um, actually goes towards... SEO. Oh, no, I didn't know this for LinkedIn because it doesn't work that way for Facebook or Instagram. Um, but it does for LinkedIn. Yes. So it helps with searching. Can you? Just, just a, a bit of a side while we're on that subject. In LinkedIn, do you have to use their own caption generator or can you upload an SRT file when you upload the video? You can. I prefer to upload it. Let me just briefly explain what that is. So essentially the SRT file, when you, when you edit a video, and most video editing software will have the ability for you to upload, a, to save a separate file for your captions. When you generate your captions, when you're editing your video, you can, uh, load, you can save something called an SRT file, which is a data file which just contains all of your captions and the timings for those captions. So when you upload to Facebook, for instance, you can upload an SRT file. You can do that as well with YouTube. Uh, with YouTube, it's important because that counts towards your SEO because Google searches through the SRT file to find out what you've said because it can't search video. It can only search text. Uh, but it's interesting you're saying that you can now do that. You can do that with LinkedIn too. So the same applies if you can save an SRT file and upload it, then do that. Yeah, remember the LinkedIn native video always scores highest. So if you're oh, of course if you're uploading LinkedIn native video, what it's not immediately obvious where you upload it. So at the point where you're uploading it, you literally scroll down at the bottom. It says, "Would you like to upload uh, a subtitle file?" And that's when you point it in there. And it, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. It really I made does. A, I did a video on LinkedIn quite recently about this, about why it's important for you to post native video rather than a YouTube link. Exactly so. Exactly so. And and remember with the, the, uh, the subtitle, actually looks better if you do it that way than if you've burnt it in. And also burning in, of course, you lose all that benefit of having, uh, of having uh, uh, any SEO benefit. Every day is a learning day. Um, 
so it, if I could just ask about the um, when you do put so you put a video out um, and then obviously you have some people that are commenting and uh, responding to what you're doing in terms of us then commenting on other posts is there a balance to be had between the amount we post and the amount we comment does that make a big difference if we're posting our own material our content but then commenting on other people's is that important to you yeah i i do it in a, a almost a two to one proportion so i i comment twice as much as i post uh so i okay. post about four times uh it varies between two and four times a week uh and i'm commenting eight nine ten times uh, because this acts as a, not quite a lead siphon, but it helps build your tribe, especially when you've done as I advised on your surname, which is you've defined, made it obvious, nice and bold in your face, who you can help. The point is, if you then post on someone else's uh, uh, article or, or post themselves, if you write a comment there, you're writing as your first name and your last name, plus a descriptor, which enables anybody else reading that same post to realise that, hang on, this is what her axe is to grind. Maybe I should check out her profile. Yeah, it's a little little mini advert every time you comment, isn't it? Absolutely. But I, by the same token, it, I would say make it slightly salacious. I mean, I call mine in, in, uh, LinkedIn inspiration. But it should be almost an aid memoir, so people remember you having come across you, having read, and then when they eventually meet you in a network meeting or face-to-face, -face, you know, it just all coalesces into one and you, you become much more memorable. Yes, I agree. There, there, there has to be an element of quirkiness. I think quirkiness always works well. Thank you so much, Gareth. Uh, as some more top tips on LinkedIn, and uh, obviously LinkedIn is a place where people can come and find you, so let people know how they can make that happen. Well, I am easily found because my name is Gareth wax wax if you hunt for me i will pop up quickity quick please send me a, a a request to connect to me um but please then don't try and sell me stuff otherwise i will disconnect you straight after and possibly bury you in a shallow grave now once you've done that i will offer you 30 minutes of my time at no cost and i will make your profile super powered and at the end of that if you want to discuss how Purple Fedora, that is my company, can help you promote yourself effectively on LinkedIn without the use of software bots, without the use of schedulers, just by make, writing decent copy at the right time to the right people, we can talk about it then. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. There's always so much talk about content and what content to put out on social media, but I think it, we can so often get so consumed and so caught up with what to put on there, you actually forget to respond to other people's posts, which is, and make the comments, which is, Gary said, is so important. Comment, commenting on other people's posts is as equally as important as posting yourself, because at the end of the day, how can we expect people to comment on ours if we're not going to do the same? And you forget, don't you? I forget that every time you comment on a post, you're instantly putting yourself out there to potentially new people who are reading that little thing underneath your name and finding out what you do and your little sort of little advert, if you like, and you're putting it out there every single time. So it's almost as powerful as posting. Yeah, yeah, I need to, yeah, I need to definitely um, improve improve on that. I do do it, but I think as Gareth said, I can't, I can't recall the ratio he said now of two to one, was it maybe? Um, 
to actually do that as part of my daily activity because as you say when you go to the activity history it will say you know Paul's commented on this or Claire's commented on that and it just bumps up and all of a sudden you've got as you say a whole host of new people and you help the person as well so yeah I think you do but I think the problem with every social media platform is it can suck your time away so it's good to limit the amount of time you spend and then do it effectively. So, for instance, if you're trying to build your profile on LinkedIn, then literally spend no more than five minutes a day on LinkedIn. Once you've done your five minutes, time's up. That's it. I'm not going to look at it anymore because it can literally, it can it can drain your life, can't it? It can. And then I think you end up distracting yourself or taking yourself away from actually the whole purpose and why you're doing it, which is to grow your business. So... Uh, discipline, that's the word I was trying discipline. to find. Discipline. Discipline is really, really important. And with that in mind, we're going now. We are. But thank you very much, and we hope that's been useful, and you've learned a little bit more about LinkedIn, learned some nuggets that you didn't already know. And don't forget, come and find us on the website, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. Come and find us on the socials. You can find us on LinkedIn if you like to, uh, or on Instagram, or on Facebook. And until next time, say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. Missed that, by the way. That was weird last time. I know you sounded lost at the end. You're like, um, so now it's um, bye from just me. I didn't know how to wrap <laughs> up. I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do because you always have the last word. I, I always have the last word. Yes, that is right. I do always have the last word. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show.